We have an anchor that keeps the soul steady. The Anchor of the Soul with Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ in Olive Branch, Mississippi. Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. And now, Mike Hickson. In our lesson today, we're going to be looking at Numbers chapter 10. Numbers chapter 10, the passage that Jordan read a moment ago, beginning in verse 29 down through verse 32. The title of our lesson today, Join Us on Our Journey. Many of you understand that life is a journey. And as with any journey, there can be good times and there can be difficult times. As you think about life being a journey, I can't help but think about the patriarchs of old who identified themselves as strangers and pilgrims here on planet Earth. They understood that life is indeed a journey. And as I said a moment ago, sometimes our journey can be a great blessing to us. And then there are other times when there are distractions and troubles and trials and the journey's not, not so fun. I want to ask you a question this morning. Based on where you are in life right now, are you happy? Based on where you are in life right now, are you satisfied? Are you content? Is life going as planned? You think about your journey, where you are in life as we speak. How are things going? Moses and the children of Israel were on their way to the promised land, to the land of Canaan. In this context, Moses encourages his father-in-law to come. And he said, come go with us. And he said, we will, we'll do you good. We'll treat you right. If where you are in life right now, if where you are is not where you want to be, and your journey is not going so well, could I encourage you to join hands with us? To come with us. Because you see, as Christians, ultimately our goal is heaven, isn't it? We sing about Canaan's land. As we sing about Canaan's land, we sing about heaven. And I think about it as children of God. Yes, we're pilgrims. Yes, we're strangers here on earth. We're like the Apostle Paul who said, our citizenship is in heaven. He said, whence also we wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So today I want to invite you to join us on our journey because we're going to heaven. We want to go to heaven. We plan to go to heaven. And we want you to go with us. Let's look at the book of Numbers, chapter 10. I want to call your attention to a couple of things here. Moses here talking to his father-in-law, a fellow by the name of Hobab. And first and foremost, he encourages him to be part of a special pilgrimage. You see, the children of Israel, they were pilgrims and they were on the way to the promised land. And there are a couple of thoughts in this context. 
The first is that the children of Israel, they were special people. They were special because the Lord loved them. You can look at Deuteronomy chapter 7 in verse 8. And Moses said to the children of Israel, he said, the Lord loves you. God had showered His love upon the children of Israel. In Jeremiah chapter 31, in verse 3, Jeremiah, the prophet of God, who, who wrote many, many years later, said in the long ago, speaking on behalf of God, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Did you know that God loves you? You think about the journey that you're on right now, the journey of life. And there are many people in our world today, sadly, they feel unloved. They feel as if no one cares, no one is interested in their plight. When troubles and trials arise in life, again, they feel isolated and alone. And yet to know the Bible says over and over again that God loves us. As a matter of fact, John said in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, God is love. And Paul said God commends His own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What about the great golden text of the Bible? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. So yes, the children of Israel, they were loved. Not only did the Lord love them, the Bible says the Lord liberated them. Do you remember they were in bondage in Egypt? And they cried out to God. They wanted God's blessings and God's help. And God was willing to intervene. As a matter of fact, God planned to bring them out of bondage. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, God said to the children of Israel, He said, I have redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. God delivered them. He liberated them. He redeemed them from Egyptian bondage. And let me tell you what, God is still in the liberating business. God is still in the redeeming business. Because today we can be redeemed through the power of the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ. Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 1 that we have been redeemed not with corruptible things like silver and gold, but by the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without spot and without blemish. In your journey... As you go through life and you think about sometimes how you have to bear the guilt and the shame and the stain of sin and the grief that arises because of stumbling and falling and making mistake after mistake. But to know that there is redemption, that redemption is in Christ Jesus. To know that Paul said that all can be redeemed. God would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. God is interested in you. God wants to redeem. He wants to liberate you. He liberated the children of Israel and He can liberate you from a life of sin and unrighteousness. So to understand first and foremost, the children of Israel, they were a special people. But there's a second thing. They were on their way to a special place. Some special property. They were on their way to Canaan to the land of Canaan. Listen now, if you would, 
Beginning in verse 29, Moses said to Hobab, the son of Ruel, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law, we are setting out for the place of which the Lord said, I will give it to you. Come with us and we will treat you well. Let me tell you what. They were on the road to a blessed place. And not just a blessed place, but they were on the road to a bountiful place. Moses said to Hobab in the long ago, look, God has given us this place. The very God who had promised to give them the land of Canaan would provide for their every need. As a matter of fact, over in Numbers chapter 14, in chapter 13, God sent 12 spies out to survey the land of Canaan, to look it over and to bring back a report. And you remember when they came back, they spoke of Canaan as a land flowing with milk and honey. It's a bountiful land, a bountiful land. Now we talk about our journey through life. And we, like the patriarchs of old, we are pilgrims, we are strangers, as they said in Hebrews chapter 11. But we're looking for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. I mean, you think about the blessings of one day getting to heaven. What a beautiful place it will be. What a bountiful place it will be. And so as I think about their pilgrimage, I'm reminded of the fact that we too are pilgrims here upon this earth. We are, we're on a journey. There's a second thing I want you to see in our study. Look again at Numbers chapter 10. First, there was encouragement to be a part of a special pilgrimage. Secondly, there was encouragement to be a part of a special people. To be part of a special people. Listen again to what Moses said. We're setting out for the place of which the Lord said, I will give it to you. Come with us. We will treat you well. For the Lord has promised good things to Israel. God had called the nation of Israel. He called them to be His special people. Now we talk about the nation of Israel and the calling of that nation. It was special because of the one who created it. That was God. In Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 6, Moses said, You shall be holy to the Lord your God. For the Lord your God has chosen you for Himself that you might be a special treasure above all the people on the face of the earth. God had set them apart. And you think about God being the creator of the Hebrew nation. Now, it all began with a man by the name of Abraham. And God said, I will make your name great. He said, in you all nations, all families of the earth will be blessed. Ultimately realized in the sending of Christ and His death on Calvary. And those who are a part of the body of Christ today, we are heirs, we are heirs to that promise made, that promise being made some 4,000 years ago. You think about the family of God today, the church. What makes the church so special? What makes it such a divine family? Well, because of the very one who created it. 
The Lord did. You remember in Matthew 16, Jesus said, I will build my church. You think about the nation was special because of who created it, but not just who created it, but also who cared for it. God met their every need. And I think about the church today and how God is the creator of this divine family. Jesus said, I'll build my church. And then he went on to say, the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. God ensuring the success of the spiritual entity. You think about being a part of the family of God, of being a part of this very special group of people. Now back in Genesis chapter 12, God said in the long ago to Abraham, I will bless them that bless you and I will curse them which curse you. What does it mean to be a member of the body of Christ, to be a part of that special family? What's, what's so unique about that? The divine blessings? The opportunity to be a part of a family that is so unique. There were blessings attached to those who blessed Abraham. And there are blessings attached to being a part of the family of God. Do you remember in Ephesians 1 verse 3? Paul said that every spiritual blessing resides in the heavenly places in Christ. So who are blessed people today? Those who are in Christ. Who are liberated people today? Those who are in Christ. Who have the presence of God in their lives today? Those who are in Christ. Who have the assurance of the promised land, heaven? Those who are in Christ. So you think about all the blessings and favors. Hobab was encouraged to be a part of a special family. And today we encourage you to be a part of a special family. The church, created by God, cared for by God. But then also, Hobab was encouraged to be part of a special fellowship. A couple of thoughts here. First, there would be quality time together. You think about the children of Israel as they journeyed toward the promised land. Now we understand over in chapter 14, many of the Many of the Israelite people demonstrated unbelief and many, many were prohibited from entering the promised land. But you think about that journey and the time that they spent with one another. The Bible says of the early church in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, listen to him, and in fellowship. In that same context, he said, all that believed were together. You know, there are a lot of people that you can associate with in life. And there are a lot of good folks out here in the world. And I think about the time, the quality time that we spend with our friends, our family members, our classmates, our co-workers, our neighbors. But I can promise you to spend quality time with people of like precious faith. To be around the best people in the world. That's God's people. Look, we're not perfect. I would never, ever make the claim that we are, we are not infallible. We are human beings. We have feet of clay. But let me tell you what, the best people that I know in this world are members of the body of Christ. We're on a journey. We're headed to the land of Canaan. We are headed, we are headed to heaven, aren't we? And we, like Moses, we're encouraging people, look, come go with us. 
Be a part of a special family. Be part of a special fellowship. Now you think about the quality time that they spent with one another and then add to that the quality treatment that they shared with one another. Listen again to what, listen again to what Moses said. He said, we're setting out for the place of which the Lord said, I'll give to you. Come with us. And he said, we will treat you well. For the Lord has promised good things to Israel. Drop down, look at verse 32. He said, it shall be, if you go with us, indeed it shall be that whatever good the Lord will do to us, the same we will do to you. I said a moment ago that when you talk about the family of God, the best people in the world, spending quality time with one another, but then I think about the quality treatment of one another in the body of Christ. Do you know what happens in the church when one member hurts? Do you know what happens when a member in the body of Christ is suffering? Other members of the body of Christ are there. They're there to support, to aid. They're there to offer prayers on their behalf. They're there to encourage. The goal is to fulfill the words of Paul in Galatians 6.2 when he said, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. When people are hurting and struggling, when individuals have lost loved ones, the church is there. You think about some of the some of the darkest hours in life that we can face together. And let me tell you what, I'm not saying that, that we are, again, I'm not saying that we are perfect. But I can tell you right now, I've seen some people in the darkest hours of their, of their lives who are members of this church. And I have seen other members of the body of Christ right there with them standing with them. And you know why that is? Because we love one another and because we're there for one another. So what Moses said to Hobab, look, you come go with us, we will treat you well. I promise you what? We will do our best to treat you like no one has ever treated you in the world. We're going to try our best to treat you right. If we make a mistake, if we're not what we ought to be, then... We'll make it right. We'll do our best to make it right. So, as we think about being a part of a special fellowship, to know that we spend quality time with one another and to know that there is quality treatment of one another. There's a third thing I want to share with you in our study. And that is there was encouragement to be a part of special promises. They were, on, they were on the road to the land of promise, weren't they? Not only were they on the road to the land of promise, but they were on the road to a land of prosperity. Let's think for a minute or two about this land of promise. Many, many years earlier, there was the foretelling of the reception of the promised land. In Genesis chapter 12, when God called Abraham, to leave his homeland. And when God said, look, in you all nations, all families of the earth are going to be blessed. Down in verse 7, God made a promise to him. 
God said that they would be the recipients of the promised land. And so we find the fulfillment of that promise. I want you to turn with me over to the book of Joshua for a minute. And I want you to look at Joshua chapter 21. We talk about the the foretelling of that promise and then the fulfillment of that promise. And we said that they were on the road to a land of promise. So in verse 43, here's here's what the record says. The Lord gave to Israel all the land of which He had sworn to give to their fathers. Now note, and they took possession of it and dwelt in it. So God promised them land and God fulfilled the promises made centuries earlier. What does that say to us? It says when God makes a promise, He keeps that promise, doesn't He? Do you remember the Apostle Paul in writing to Titus in Titus chapter 1 verse 2? He said, listen to him, we live in hope of life eternal which God who cannot lie promised before the world began. God does not lie. So when God says, look, I'm going to do something for you, I'm going to bless you, here is a promise, he keeps that promise, doesn't he? Whatever God says, if it has to do with pardon from sin, he keeps that promise. If it has to do with the privilege and the power of prayer, he keeps that promise. If it has to do with His presence, His ever-abiding presence in our lives, again, He keeps that promise. God fulfills His promises. Now, I said they were on the road to the land of promise, but they were also on the road to a land of prosperity. And you ask the question, well, how so? Let me suggest, first of all, they they were on the road to a land of rest. Listen to what is said over in Joshua chapter 21, verse 44. The Lord gave them rest all around according to all that He had sworn to their fathers. And not a man of all their enemies stood against them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. Now I want to ask you a question. Are we not on the road to a land of eternal rest? Yes, we are. I mean, you think about in order for them to get to the promised land, in order for them to occupy the land that God had promised them, there would be a fight. They had to displace the nations that were there. And we talk about living the Christian life and the fact that we're at battle, we're at war. They had had to understand, look, it's going to take effort, it's going to take work, it's going to take consecration to God, but we can do it. We are on the road to rest. Here's what John said, Revelation chapter 14, verse 13. Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. Yes, says the Spirit. Why? That they may rest from their labors. You know, sometimes as we journey through life, do we ever get tired? Weary? Do we hurt? We become sad. We become disenchanted, dissatisfied, discontent. The list goes on and on. And yet to know that there is a land of rest that awaits us. A land of eternal rest. Look, not only were they on the road to a land of rest, but they were on the road to a land of resources. I said a minute ago, when the spies surveyed the land, you remember what they said? It is a land, he said, they said, indeed it is a land flowing with milk and 
with milk and honey. What about heaven? Will we not be in a place where God will provide for our every care, our every need? And you think about how unlike heaven will be compared to the world in which we live. John said in Revelation chapter 21 verse 4, And God shall wipe away every tear from their eyes. Listen to him. He said, there shall be no more death. There shall be no more crying or sorrow. Neither shall there be any more pain, for these former things have passed away. Did you know that you, one day you can be in heaven? We're on a journey. I mean, you think about getting to a place of endless rest, endless resources, a place where our every need, our every care has been, taken, has been, has been well taken care of. Why would anyone not want to go to heaven? I began the lesson by asking this question. Are you happy? Are you content? Are you satisfied? Jesus talked about the two roads of life. He said one is narrow, the other is broad. And to, to reconcile in our minds that we are on one of, two, one of two roads. We're on a road that's leading to life or we are on a road that's leading to destruction. Moses encouraged his father-in-law to journey with them. And the Bible tells us in Judges 1.16 that his father-in-law accepted. Now, this is the journey, not just the journey of a lifetime, but life itself is a journey. So what I want to encourage you to think about this morning is this. If things haven't been going as planned, if your life hasn't turned out as you had envisioned, if you can't say that you're happy and satisfied and content with life, if your life is an absolute wreck, a mess, you know, sometimes, sometimes we wonder why things don't change in life. And it might be the reason is because we haven't made the necessary changes in life to get us on the right track. Sometimes people make the same mistakes over and over and over again and they wonder why. Well, you know, at some point in time, at some point in time you need to think maybe I need to do something differently. So today, where are you in your journey? It'd be great to think that all of us one day will be in heaven. The beauty of it is we can all be there together. But we have to make the decision to take that road. To take the road that ultimately leads to the place called heaven. I want to encourage you today. Join us in our journey. I mean, won't it be great? You know, a hundred years from now, where will we be? We won't be here, will we? We'll be in eternity. Really, I think it says something about 
what's most important in life. It's not what we have. or It's not who we are in terms of status. But rather, it's about living right, living for the Lord, and ultimately going home to be with Him. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, here's what you need to do. First, believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus said, except you believe that I'm He, you'll die in your sins, John 8, 24. And Jesus said, if you die in your sins where I am, there you cannot come. If then you would be willing to renounce a life of sin, turn away from it. It's called repentance. And then confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart, that Jesus is the Son of God. And be buried with Him in baptism. Then as Peter said, you can enjoy the remission, the forgiveness of your sins. God will put you in that special family. And if you'll live faithfully until death, the promise is the crown of life. If you're here today and you started the journey, but for whatever reason you got off track, and maybe you're out in that distant country and you're longing to come home, we encourage you to do that. Look, we'd be happy to pray with you and for you. God will abundantly pardon you. Thank you for listening to the Anchor of the Soul. Your speaker has been Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ, located at 9100 East Sandage Road in Olive Branch, Mississippi. To hear this lesson again, go to olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Tune in next Sunday for more of the Anchor of the Soul. We have an anchor that keeps the soul Steadfast and sure while the billows roll Fastened to the rock which cannot move Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love